Christmas music is playing. We are in the house. Welcome to the Wandering Red Goat, episode number eight. And today, we're going to talk about being an expert of yourself. You can only be an expert of yourself. You understand that? You can't be an expert of everybody. You can be an expert of yourself. I'm sorry if I allowed and I ran into or yelled into and jumped onto and in through and beside and backwards to this microphone, but today I'm excited. Today I'm excited to talk to you about being an expert of you. You can only be an expert of you. What does that mean? And I'm going to give my experience. I'm going to start to share my experiences with you. I don't know if you want to hear them. Don't care if you want to hear them. It's my podcast and I will talk about what I want to talk about. So sit back, relax and enjoy it because if nothing else, it might be a little entertainment to hear about my story. You might incredibly think, oh my goodness, that poor stupid son of a bitch. Or you might say, hey, there's some wisdom in there. I don't know. One way or the other, you'll get something out of it. Episode 7, The Wandering Red Goat. You know, um, going to be honest with you, haven't been on for a while. Couldn't do it. Had a tough week, couldn't do it. Not that I was busy, because I was busy, but I'm busy every week. Uh, to be honest with you, it was a tough week, and I'll get into it a little bit more, a little bit share, just couldn't do it. Couldn't do the podcast. Why? Hmm, why? And that's where you have to become an expert of you. You have to understand you. A lot been going on, good things, bad things, everything in the middle. But the Wandering Red Goat is here to give you some more advice. So I want to recap <coughs> episode seven, but I get sidetracked because I start thinking about what we're going to talk about in episode eight. But episode seven, we talked about spring cleaning, spring cleaning your life. It's just one step forward, right? And then today, we're going to go to another level about ourselves, about finding ourselves. And you know what the great thing is? Here's the great thing. The Wandering Red Goat Project started out with one concept in my mind. And what I love about it is it's continuing to grow and it's continued to venture on. It's continued to formulate itself. I'm only one adventure in. Yeah, that's right. One adventure in. So out of my 50, uh, so let's recap. Let's go back. I had a birthday. March 11th was my birthday. I know I always say it's the month of March, and it is. We're still celebrating. Still send your gifts. Still make me a cake if you want. But it was actually on the 11th. I turned 49. Yep, I'm entering my 50th year, and I'm excited. But what happened in that week, right? So we did the podcast number seven. Everything was going good, and number eight was scheduled, and I couldn't do it. I went into, I like to call it functioning depression. I struggled. I struggled for most of the week. I struggled getting things done. I struggled uh, emotionally. I struggled uh, not so much physically, but emotionally for sure. But I didn't do things that I should have been doing. I didn't work the way I should have been working. And I was dealing with depression. I was dealing with things. Uh 
I made some changes. I made some explorations. I, I got out of it. It took a while. It was a bad week. I'm not going to lie to you. But that's normal for most people that battle depression. That's bad that you have triggers and away you go. You got to function. You got to do everything. You got to try. And I don't say it's a severe depression. It's a depression. I think there's multiple levels of it. I'm not an expert, but I think there's multiple levels, uh, levels of it. So I wasn't able to do the podcast. Outright and outright. Wasn't able to do it. Now, besides my birthday, which was wonderful because I had clients that absolutely spoiled me and made me feel very good. And I, I've made a lot of discovery over the last number of years. Okay, a, a, a vast number of years. I've made some discoveries about myself, and we're going to talk about that today, about being an expert of yourself. But I really feel that when you come from a place of love, it starts to come back to you. Now, in my business, I always haven't had the closeness with the clients that I have in my current state of my my coaching or my my health and wellness business. And here's why. I was explaining this uh, uh, to a friend of mine the other day. When I dealt with strictly athletes, and I thought that that's what I wanted to do because that was my field for so many years and so many years, and you don't get the the feeling. I don't give them the love because uh, I'm, I'm helping them try and achieve a, a goal, but it, it's not... It's not a personal goal. It's not something that comes deep down inside from their heart. Uh, a health journey or someone dealing with depression or, or anxiety or um, medical conditions or physical conditions are coming to my health and wellness or my, getting my coaching because they're coming from a place of love. They love themselves and they want to get better, right? And I can come from a place of love. And I think early on in my coaching, I didn't do that. I don't think I, I was doing that. And when you work with athletes, you, you don't do that. Yes, you care for them and you're protecting them and that. But it, the vibe's a whole different thing. It, I mean, I could do a whole show about how that is going to you know, affect your relationship when someone is driving for a goal or to become an athlete or whatever versus someone that is just trying to walk better or trying to function every day with anxiety, okay? Um, so we all have bad days. We all have bad weeks. We got to get going. We got to be coming. We got to keep going forward. <clears throat> so in episode seven, we did talk about, you know, uh, cleaning, spring cleaning your life, and I thought it was a great um, episode. I thought there was lots of things that hopefully people took away from there and can move forward on. Uh, episode eight, you know, I'm excited about this one because I want you to become an expert of you. What makes you tick? What makes you go? What makes you the best version of yourself? You can't fix everybody else, but you can fix yourself. All right? And you know, you know, because I know this, because I talk to people all day long, all the time. There isn't a person in their 30s or 40s, I say it over and over again, that somewhere along a conversation they go, oh, I'm working on me. What the fuck are you working on? How long is it going to take you? Okay? 
Because you know what? If you're really working on yourself, you'll get to the root of the problem real quick. You'll become an expert about what is wrong with you. And then you're going to start the journey back to get better. Well, what's your plan? How are you going to do it? All right. So I'm going to share my experience with you. And I'm not saying that I'm an expert in this whole field, but what I'm saying is I'm an expert about myself. And I'm proud of where I, I came from. And you know what? The failures in my life have shaped who I am today. So they're not failures. They were meant to happen for a reason. That's how you become an expert of yourself. You embrace your failures and you move forward. I'll be back right after this short break. Let's get into it. Let's be honest. If you are going to be an expert of yourself and you're working on yourself, I say it all the time. I just said it in the intro. I'm going to say it again. Don't tell me you're fucking working on yourself and you're not working on yourself. Okay? Because it doesn't take a long time. If you truly want to work on yourself, you're going to work on yourself quickly. It's not a long process. All right, you need to identify. We talked about it in spring cleaning. Write a list, identify, remove, add. Start to work on yourself. If you're truly working on yourself, work on yourself. If you want to become an expert of yourself, which you can, then don't get distracted. Don't get distracted and don't start finding reasons not to work on your shit. Get real with yourself. I say this all the time. I didn't actually make any progress in my life until I got rid of my ego. Why did I have an ego? I didn't have a fantastic life, but I I, I put a chip on my shoulder. I had an ego. But you can't actually see what's going on until you actually get raw with yourself. My journey and my story is not great. There was a lot of failures. There was a lot of failures in relationships. There's a lot of failures in my family dynamic. There's a lot of failures in business. There was things that I thought I wanted to do and the adrenaline and I was a risk taker and that hurt a lot of my relationships. All right. It attracted a lot of people to me that are no longer in my life because once I had failure, they didn't want to be a part of me. So that shapes me. That becomes a part. But what you got to start to do is you got to start to embrace that. I'm ashamed that I failed sometimes, or I used to be ashamed of it. There's not much I can do about it. I never, fucking as much as I can say, I don't want to ever go back and talk about the past. That's what got me to the point that I'm at today. That got me to the point where I am today. And I'm not arrogant about it. I don't like having those failures, but what am I going to do about it? I learned from it. I'm moving forward from it, and I'm going to be a better version of myself. I already know I am. I already know I am because I treat people differently today than I did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 
People matter to me today. I come from a place of love. And that was all shaped from my story, the failures I had. When you have everything you ever wanted and it is taken away from you and you have lost it, it shapes you. Some of you guys know the story, some of you don't. I was at the depths of what I thought was the lowest point in my life, but yet, no, it wasn't. It became lower, deeper. Um, There was, oh, way more levels to go. And And I went there. And I went there. And I went there. And I said this in a quote not too long ago. When you think you hit rock bottom, hold on, because there's two or three more levels of hell to go through. And that's the honest to God truth. You think you've hit rock bottom, and guess what? It's just the beginning. And so I was there. I lived on $33 a week. So I went from having everything I ever wanted in my life, quote unquote, successful, but not fulfilled living on $33 a week. I went to Walmart for about, I would say, four or five weeks in a row with $33 in quarters and dimes and nickels each week to buy food. And now remember, I have two dogs. So I also had to buy their food. And I was trying to run a business. And there was lots of days, and I've said this before publicly, so this isn't anything new, but when I would open up my eyes in the morning, I was sleeping on my couch in my office, and I would open up my eyes in the morning, the first thought that came to my mind was, fuck. And I'm sorry if kids are listening, but that's what my thought was. I got to face this again. I got to do it again. I got to do it again. I got to do it again. That's not easy. But you pull up, you go, you keep going, you put one foot in front of the other, and you keep going, you keep going. And then I went through another level of hell and another level of hell. And then I reached out for help. And then I reached out for a mentor. Because I just couldn't make sense of anything. I couldn't make sense of what was going on. Why was this happening to me? Why was this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? You know what? I made a breakthrough when I discovered that those things, most material things or business or that, wasn't fulfilling my life. I was chasing something that didn't matter. So I wasn't having success at it. I was just having failures at it. And when I found my passion and I can rekindle my passion and I refocus my passion, and remember, that's our mantra at the gym. The the sign was staring in my face every friggin' day. Focus and purpose. Focus and purpose. 365. Focus and purpose. When I rededicated myself to what I, I knew was true but I didn't know was true, And I dropped my ego and I got rid of material, valuable things. I got my life back. I started to become an expert in me and I knew what made me happy and I knew how I could help other people. 
I always had a calling. I always felt I had a calling to help other people. Always. It gnawed on me and gnawed on me. And I just had this conversation today, actually. Over the past 20 or 30 years, I've known that I've always been pulled towards my calling. But until you actually connect all the dots, you don't see that the answers were there the whole time. So you're getting the answers every day. If you don't have your passion, if you don't know what you're an expert of or what you're an expert of yourself are, is yet, it's there. The answers are there. Sit back, reflect, and go to those, all those little gnawing things that you've, you've known that they've meant something to you, but you're not sure what they are. Put them together and connect the dots. Be an expert of yourself. Understand what your needs are. Understand what your passion is. Understand what your desire is. Is it always about financial? No. No, no, no. I'm not saying it is. Yes, we all got to make money. But sometimes your passion isn't about making money. Sometimes money is a byproduct. We have been hit on by marketing for years. And so... I'm going to talk to you a little bit about one of, one, of, one of the great things that I have done to my life, and, and it's helped me. So not only did I drop my ego, and I started to examine and re-get into my passions, okay, and I started to understand myself better, and when you understand yourself better, then you can understand other people better. But when I got into minimalism... I've said this a hundred times. It's, it wasn't by choice. <laughs> my story, my backstory, and my failures forced me to be in a minimalism. But it was the best thing ever. Those failures put me in a spot where I am today where I can feel joy and I can be happy because of failure. Failure created a lot of anxiety. Well, I should have embraced that. Instead of worrying about my anxiety, I should have embraced my failures. All right. But I can still get triggered. You can get triggered. We all do. I got triggered last week. And I I just had enough energy and enough everything to get going to make it through my work week. But I couldn't do any extra. Okay. And then to top it off, this past weekend, I did the 48-hour challenge, cross-border challenge with Jody Barrett from Kickboxing Kettlebell Canada. Wonderful lady. And Tom Shea, an ex-Navy SEAL, wonderful guy. Got to spend lots of hours listening to him on the on the podcast. Um, and I got to work on myself. I got to examine myself. And I, I'll talk about that um, as we go or in a later show. Uh, because I do have, I did document it and I will put it on my YouTube channel. But here's what I discovered, just to get a little bit off ta- topic about that. I discovered that I'm task-driven. And I think I've always been task-driven, okay? So I discovered that about myself again because when I said, okay, I'm going to do this 48-hour challenge. You get up every hour, you know, every four hours. You get up. You have a Zoom call. You do one hour of activity. Plus, you know, he gives you a list of other things to do, which Tom Tom Shea is a, is a coach um, and, and a very good coach, so 
what I discovered was, yeah, I'm task driven. So this was no big deal. No, I got to get up every four hours. I got to do this. I got to do some activity. No big deal. And it wasn't a big deal. But knowing that I'm task driven, I haven't, I, I never took time yet to analyze how the weekend went. And that's what I'm working on now. So I can't really give you a full definition. And I haven't finished um, filming that yet, that adventure, because I still have to process what went on for the whole weekend. But that's what I did discover, is that it wasn't as big a deal to me because I am task-driven. The other thing is, a lot of the stuff that Tom asked us to self-reflect on and to talk about or to do, I've already done. I've already cleansed because one of the things that I've been through over the last three or four years and, and you know, still somewhat working on and still in a process is that I cleansed a lot of that stuff by becoming a minimalist. I took a lot of stress off my life because I'm a minimalist. Is it hard? No. Sorry. I don't think it's that hard, but it might be that hard for some people. To start, to start, to change your life, to be an expert of you, yes, it might seem hard, but it's not hard. Take a step, one step. That's all it is. Changing your life and become an expert of yourself is about taking one step. Starting. Start. That's all it is. After that, it's easy. After that, your life becomes clear. Your life becomes fulfilled. So when we're talking about a minimalist, okay, one, one thing is <clears throat> when you're going to become an expert of yourself, self-discovery isn't the easiest process. To be truthful to yourself isn't the easiest process. I think once you get started, once you take that step, it's easy. But you have to have a hard truth. You have to have the hard conversation. And you got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, is this me? So I was going through my struggles. Man, I think I, I, think I had from one bad business deal, I think I had 32 lawsuits. Um, I mean, me and the, uh, me and the court document guy, we, we were on a first name basis. I, I, you know, you know, the funny thing about, about the court, the guys who have to serve you the papers, they try not to startle you. So like they'll find excuses to come in and pretend under certain circumstances that there's somebody different. So then they'll just hand you those things, which I think is a cute game. But I finally, after the first time I said to the guy, listen, dude. I had a bad business deal. I understand uh, I was the president of that company. I know I'm going to get served with these papers because I shut the company down. And so don't you don't have to pretend. <laughs> like I don't hold it against you. Like <laughs> And so he was coming to my other business. And I think he was trying to do it out of respect that, you know, he didn't want to start my clients. And I was like, you know, and this is a business that was out of province. And I'm like, dude, just it's okay. <laughs> I get it. So, but I had to come to those resolutions. I had to, I had to say, listen, I made a bad decision. I backed 
a company that didn't work. It was a failure. Yeah, and, I, and I, it hurt. And yes, you put people out of work. And yes, you know, a lot of bad things happen when you have to shut down a company. But there's nothing I can do about it. I'm not the first guy that had to shut down a company because it wasn't successful and things aren't going good. You know, people think it's successful because they're getting paid and they're working. And then all of a sudden you say, well, this isn't working. We're losing way too much money. And then you're the bad guy. And, and you got to live with that. And that's not easy to do. I then had to file personal bankruptcy because I was the president of the company. I didn't run the company, but I was the president of the company. My name was on the piece of paper. Before that, I had zero debt. I had a very high score credit rating. I lost everything. I went to the bottom of the barrel, right? Then I, then I failed marriage. Probably was the tipping point. That failure of that company was also a tipping point in my relationships, right? So <clears throat> I wouldn't say it was the only f- part of the failure of the relationship, but a lot of stuff compounded all over a year's time, right? I had a breakup with a girlfriend, um, you know, just bad decisions. Now, I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't a drug addict, nothing like that. I said to my trustee when I, when I had to file the bankruptcy, and, and trust me, I held off for eight months because in my mind, my ego kept saying to me, oh, you can do this. You can do this. You can pull this around. You can do this. Well, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do it. I couldn't save it. I couldn't save, you know, a divorce. I couldn't save a bankruptcy. I couldn't save a company. Couldn't save it. I had to let go of my ego. As soon as I let go of my ego, man, so much opened for me. But then there were some more gifts. And I, I really believe that I was the universe or the gods or the spirits or whatever you believe in. To me, it's, it's God's. We're still directing me and still saying, dude, <laughs> welcome to rock bottom, but we have two or three more levels you're going to go through yet. And it's true. I did. I did. And it seemed like <clears throat> I was forced into minimalism, but then I embraced it. Then I said, you know what? They're pointing me in this right direction. I can become my own expert on what I need. I'm back. I've been given this gift through failure. I've been given this gift to reshape who I am, what I believe in, and what I love, and what my passion is, and what my focus is. I got to become an expert of myself. And one of the things that I loved is that I got to get rid of possessions. I didn't need this anymore. My ego needed that stuff. I truly, in my heart, did not need that stuff. When I got rid of material things, I finally started to see clearly. And what that does is that opens up your ability to love fully. Your heart is now open. And when you come from a place of love, you can accomplish way more. You can help people. So although I feel I really know who I am now and what I need to do and what my focus and my purpose is, I'm still fairly young at this, but I love it. 
So going into my 50th year, I have become more of an expert about myself than I ever have before. No one is ever going to be able to know more or do more or say more or hurt me or do anything like that because I know who I am. And when you know who you are, you have that strength to do so much. Self-discovery is never easy, but it's important. And you're going to hit some raw notes on there. But if you want to be, become an expert of yourself, you need to hit those notes. You need to f- sing the tunes, sister. And you got to be honest with yourself. Don't get distracted if you are trying to become an expert of yourself. Stay focused. Okay? The one thing about owning less is it gives you more time to pursue things. The truth the truth is what lies at the heart of minimalism. You can't hide who you are. You can't hide behind material things. You can't distract yourself with material things. So think about that. The truth lies in the heart of minimalism. There's a great website and, and I, um, or a newsletter that I, Facebook page that I described to minimalism, minimalism life and, or the minimalist. And what is great is, is when you talk or you listen to other people that have gone through this, there's one common thing. They're raw and they're open and they're truthful. I, I wouldn't tell everybody to give away your possessions. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you my story. And my story is that when I got rid of material stuff, I became a person. I became true. I, I'm not a liar. I'm not a lying guy. I, I won't lie to your face. If, if, if you need to hear something, I tell you that. That's my job. As a health coach, that's my job. I'm going to tell you what, I, what my opinion is. And if, if, you, if you are bullshitting yourself, I'll tell you you're bullshitting yourself. You might not like it, but you're going to understand that it's the truth. And sometimes that's what we need. We need the truth. So we, I fell in a trap just like everybody else. Since the day we're born, right, someone is telling us something very different. By marketing and advertisers, they, they convince you that if you buy this, you're happy. If you have this, you're happy. You, you won't be happy if you don't do this or you don't do that. I mean, it's consumerism 101. Consumption, have people buying, that's just marketing. On average, there's over 5,000 advertisements that you're going to see every day. And every single one of them will convince you that possessions make you happy. Because you hear the message so much from so many different ways, you begin to believe it. So from the day you're born, you are relating material things with happiness. And that is hurtful. That is painful, right? Now, if you're lucky enough to grow in a strong household where there's love and everybody comes from a place of love, great. 
good. But a lot of people don't have that luxury. And then they start to feel in those voids or that love that they're not getting through material things. That's what happened to me. I'm not saying I didn't have a loving uh, upbringing. I think my parents did the best they can. I, I respect my my dad to the fullest. He taught me how to be a man and a good man. He taught me how to treat women. He taught me how to treat people. But he never hugged me. He never told me he loved me. And that wasn't the time. And that's okay. But I think what I tried to do is I tried to take material things and make me whole. And that was wrong. It's not his fault. That's what I did. That's how I did it. Again, that failure has got me to where I am today. So I could be mad at my dad. But at the end of the day, I got to thank him because what he didn't do is what has shaped me today. Do you understand that? Sometimes people aren't hurting you. Sometimes that's just the way it's meant to be. Sometimes that's what's going to bump you to the next road in your life. When you hear simple messages, though, about material things making you happy, that's what you start to buy into. That's where you start to waste your time, and that's where you put all your money and effort. And it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't make you happy. Being loved, giving love, having a great conversation is way more important, right? Being able, being able to have a conversation now with someone that I generally care about and want to talk to is the gift. So along with the 48 hours, so I rented a car. Right, because I was going to go into Jody's group in Regina and do a workout, and, and I did, and it was fun, and it was great to meet new people. But man, is it weird? We're in the middle of a pandemic, and and uh, you know, <laughs> you know, a year of not hanging out with people, whew, it took its toll. But it was nice to get in there and meet people. You kind of forget what it's like, you know. And it's kind of like this minimalism thing. So I've only been without a vehicle for four weeks now. And Thursday or Friday, I, I rented a car for the weekend, and I got in the car, and I was like, oh, this is unbelievable. I don't have to get up a half hour early to walk to work. Like, it was like, it was like just like this ray of sunshine came in my life, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's just so nice to have a car. But then also I had guilt because I had a car, but it was nice to be able to Go into Regina and do some things and plan. And I'm not saying you don't need a car. I, I went down to a car for multiple reasons. And I'm not against cars. I still have a driver's license. I still will buy a car. But for right now, what I need in my life is to not have a vehicle and to make sure that I am walking and to make sure that I am biking. And so that's why I've chosen to do that. Um, it's not that I don't want a car, trust me. Just that right now, where my life's journey is, I don't feel like I need a car. And I felt like if I have to do something, I can rent a car, and which I did. But when I went to this $48 challenge, that's why I'm still processing it. A lot of the things that people went through throughout the weekend, I think there's 25 people from around North America doing it. Um, and I listened to their stories 
And I feel like I was there at one time already. All right. So some of the things that we were asked to do didn't didn't really resonate with me because I've already gone through that. I, I remember what it was like, but this instant this weekend I didn't I didn't go through that. And that's okay. It was a great learning experience. I think that no matter what you do, it's a learning experience. Your failures are learning experiences. Experiences that make you uncomfortable are learning experiences. And listening to other people and their stories is a learning experience for you as well. So that's some of the things I got out of this weekend. Um, But I do know this. Possessions didn't make me happy. And too often they kept me or didn't keep me, but didn't didn't fulfill me the way that I needed to be fulfilled. So then you start to spiral into another way, and then you buy another possession because, oh, that's going to make me better, and it's not. And when I, when I kicked open the door, dropped the eagle, a lot of things came into place. I opened my heart more. I started to love more. I listened more, right? And when you start to listen to people, you start to learn. And when you start to learn, you start to get fulfilled. And you start to calculate. And you start to think how things can work for you. And that's all about becoming an expert. Listening. Spending time. Spending quality time with someone you love and someone you care about. And just listening to them is very good for you. And shouldn't we be doing that? I know when I reflect back on my relationships, I know exactly now why I'm not married to those people anymore. But I also know exactly right now at this point that I'm a better person. I'm going to be a better boyfriend. I'm going to be a better maybe husband. I'm going to be maybe a better father. Because that now it sucks that I wasted that time or it sucks that I put those people or that relationship through that. And, and I truly am sorry, but again, that failure, that personal failure has put me to where I am today. And so that's the way you got to look at it. Minimalism is the intentional promotion of things that we value most, and we remove anything that is a, restriction, uh, a distraction from our lives. So that's another learning curve for me. I have minimalized my distractions in my life so that I can focus on. And let me tell you something. By becoming a minimalist, I have gained so much more. Um, I'm in a better better position financially, business-wise, and personally than I was when I had more money. Now, am I loaded? No. Am I going on the Forbes 500 list? No. But that's where I want it to be. That's what I wanted to do. But yet, I wasn't as successful as I am today when I have less. And that, to me, is a very good key because I think eventually I'm going in the right direction that eventually I could expand that. I could do more. I could be better at it. And maybe things will fall in place. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But I'm in a lot better position right now, spiritually, mentally, physically, 
than I was 10 years from now, or 10 years past and 15 years past. And I think 10 years from now, I'll be even a better thing because the foundation and the base that I've made for myself, the decisions I've made over the last few years to get me to the point where I am today is what's going to build my future going forward. I have a solid base And I am an expert of myself. I now know what makes me happy. What do I need? What do I do not need? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I not need to talk to? The funny thing about having a lot of money and being successful is you have a lot of friends. Quote, unquote, who are your friends? And when you lose all that, guess what else you lose? So... When you just have yourself and you become an expert of yourself, now when you allow someone into your life, now when you allow them to become part of you, it's for the right reasons. And that relationship and that is way stronger and way better than anything you will ever experience. Having someone that you have let into your life who accepts you for who you are, who loves you for who you are, and not what you have, or not what you could do, or not what you might do, that is love. And that is a relationship you want to have. Whether it's a friendship, whether it's marriage, whether it's dating, Think about your children and your unconditional love for children if you, have your, if you have children or your pets. If someone loves you that way, right? You love your pets unconditionally. How, how, much, how, how much do they know it and how much do they appreciate it? And how much every time you sit down on the couch do they want to snuggle with you? Hmm? Think about that in a human perspective. Why can't you have that same feeling with a human? And you can when you become an expert of yourself and you love for the right reasons or you let people into your life for the right reasons. Be an expert of yourself. Open your heart and love. Listen. Here's the last thing I'm going to give you. Accept. Accept it. Accept it and move forward. Accept that you had failures in the past. Leave them there. Nothing you can do about it. Accept that they were a failure and accept that they have put you where you are today and it has shaped you into the person that you are today or is shaping you into the person you are today. Accept those failures and move forward. Find something you love. I love minimalism right now. I love talking to people. I love helping people. I've connected my dots over the last 40 years. I went back and started thinking about, oh, I remember when I know this was what I want to do. Yes, I got to do an incredible career for a lot of years. I get it, but that wasn't me. I did it. But I also could walk away from it. I had to make that decision to walk away from it and walk away from a career that I could have probably easily made money on and go to a career and go to a passion, go to my passion and not know if I was going to make a dime. And I'm still in my passion. I'm still doing my passion. I don't know if I'll ever make a dime from it. I don't care. 
That's not important to me. What's important to me is I'm not living a life that I don't want. I'm not living a life because I have to, because I have so many possessions. I have so much stuff that I just have no choice to get out. I got to break free. I got to make that decision. And is it hard? Yes. It's scary. It's not easy, self-discovery. It's not easy finding your passion. It's not easy living your passion. But once you make the first step, it's a hell of a lot easier. Because sometimes the thought of what is behind the door is more scary than what is behind the door. You always hear about the the saying about the grass is always green over there. And that's what people do when they're avoiding things. Oh, well, this isn't working the way I want it to. So I'm going to go over there because that could possibly be better. Nine times out of ten, it's not possibly better. So you do that. You always do the grass is greener thing all the time. But it doesn't make you happy. Going behind a door that you think is a scary thing. You don't know what's behind there and opening that door and getting through and realizing it's not as scary as you think it is, is way more fulfilling than going to where the grass is always greener. Find your passion. Find what is making you truly tick. What is your focus? Do you need to get rid of possessions? I became a mentalist and it opened my life. Do you have to do that? No. But is there reasons? Is there, is there areas of it that you could minimize? Yeah. Is there spring cleaning that you could do? Absolutely. So think about that. So my tips are you for you. Drop that ego. Open your heart. Come from a place of love. Listen and accept. Find your passion. Become an expert of you. Get rid of the things that you know have distracted you? What is keeping you from becoming an expert of you? Take that step forward. Go through the door that you think is scary. It doesn't define you. But once you decide that you know you and you are an expert of you, your life will become a lot more fulfilled. It will be a lot more than you ever imagined, you're going to be more grateful and you're going to love more than you ever thought you could. Trust me. I lived it, I'm living it, and I'm loving it. I'll be right back. Oh, going to wrap that show up. Whew. I'll tell you what. I get talking, and I'm sorry, that was about a 40-minute monologue there that you know, I just I just want people to experience. I just want people to experience it. I never thought it'd be true. But I I, I want people to experience it. Whew. So I didn't have much time to talk about the 48-hour challenge. I will do that in my next episode. Um, listen, uh, our challenges to our podcast listeners, we did 50 push-ups for a day, uh, per day, from episode to episode, you did three acts of kindness. Did you last week? Or are you pretending you did? Then you want eight sets of air squats of 25 throughout the day. Hopefully you're still doing those. Well, today, here's what I'm going to do. We're going back to an emotional uh, 
or spiritual kind of challenge. Today, I want you to find a friend, a loved one, a husband, a wife, and I just want you to listen to them. I want you to listen to them solely, clearly for five minutes a day. Don't have your phone out. Spend 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes eye contact hearing someone today. Don't get distracted. Nothing more irritates me because I used to do this and I didn't realize I was doing it and now it irritates me. I don't do it anymore. Someone's trying to tell you something and you're also reading something on your phone. What message does that send to that person? So if your husband or your wife is talking to you and you start looking at your phone and it's going through your phone, you're sending a message. If your son or daughter's talking to you and you're looking at your phone, send a message. Get rid of that. Have a sit-down conversation. Look that person in the eye. Look right into their soul. The soul, the, the eyes are the window to their soul. Listen to them. Just listen. Take five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, whatever you need to do. Just listen to them. Your relationship will be better for it. I honestly got to believe that. But you know what I always say? Hug a loved one. Be kind. Peace. I'm out.